You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Friday, November 4th. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well. All right, Giants fans, with this being Friday of the Giants bye week, I thought maybe we would do something a little bit different here. A little bit later on in the show, I do have an interview for you that that I did with Tom Radoski, former Giants scouting assistant and current member of the fantastic football site, the 33rd team. We'll get to that in a little while, but I thought what I might do here today is uh, give you some uh, New York Giants midseason awards with the Giants at six and two, roughly halfway through the season at their bye week. We'll go through uh, a bunch of different categories and give you some uh, some of, of of what I see as the the best midseason performers for your New York Giants so far this season. All right, the uh, the MVP, that's where we'll start. MVP has to be Saquon Barkley having a tremendous comeback season, second in the league in rushing yards, second in the league in total yards from scrimmage, playing his best football since his rookie season of 2018, showing that uh, he is still the player that he was you know, during his record-setting fantastic rookie season. Barkley has at some, t- at some points this season been the Giants' offense. He's showing that explosion, that burst, that playmaking ability that made him the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2018. And for me, he's definitely the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. Daniel Jones deserves some consideration for that as well. Jones having what I see as the best year of his career, doing a lot, leading comeback wins for the Giants, doing everything Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka are asking him to do, taking care of the football, showing leadership, showing toughness, bringing the Giants from behind on several occasions, making the plays he's asked to make both with his arm and his legs. But for me, still, it's it's Barkley who is the MVP for the Giants at this point. Defensive player of the year, I have to give that to, uh, to Dexter Lawrence. Uh, big uh, Sexy Dexy has been tremendous so far in the, uh, in the 2022 season. Lawrence, uh, I had a chance to talk to Dexter in uh, training camp, and one of the things we talked about was the idea that Lawrence, through the first few seasons of his career, had been good, 
but not great. To me, this season, Lawrence has been great. He's playing almost every single snap. He's accepted a leadership role on this football team. He's making all sorts of plays. He talks a lot about just wrecking games and not worrying about statistics. And he's doing exactly that. He's in the backfield all the time. He's pressuring quarterbacks. He's getting sacks. He's making plays up and down the line of scrimmage that a 340-something pound man simply shouldn't be able to make. For me, Dexter Lawrence has arrived as a great NFL player, as a great NFL defensive tackle at this point in time, one of the best defensive tackles in the league, should uh, should without a doubt make the Pro Bowl. And I think for me, he has to be your New York Giants defensive player of the year at the midway point. As for Giants rookie of the year, at this point, I have to give that to Number five overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher out of Oregon. Thibodeau has not put up fantastic sack numbers, hasn't put up the tackle numbers that people might want from him, that he might have expected from himself. He talked in the preseason about getting one sack and 10 tackles in every game and and if you watch the NFL, if you know the NFL, you, you always knew that that wasn't realistic. Thibodeau has only one sack so far this year. Strip sack of Lamar Jackson at the end of that Baltimore game. Huge play that sealed the uh, the Giants' victory in that game. But Thibodeau, after missing two games with his sprained MCL, Thibodeau has been an impact player week in and week out. His pass rush win rate stats, his pass rush pressure stats are excellent. He's getting into the backfield. He's setting the edge really well. He's showing incredible hustle making. A couple of the plays he made against the Jacksonville Jaguars, chasing running backs down well down the field, are plays that you would not expect from a 250-pound edge defender. Thibodeau has answered every question about his motor, about his attitude, about his work ethic. I think that Thibodeau is going to have a long and successful career. I think the sack numbers, the big plays will come. But right now, I think that that Thibodeau is doing everything that the New York Giants could have asked him to do. And as I said, I think those big numbers will come in time. All right, the the comeback player of the year for me i've said this before i think nick gates is the comeback player of the year in the nfl period i know he won't win that award but coming back from the horrific fractured leg that he suffered in week two of the 2020 season seven surgeries later a gruesome rehab this is a guy who there was a time people thought he might lose his leg. There was a time no one thought that Nick Gates would play again in the NFL. There was a time even he wondered if, if he was going to make it back, if all the rehab was worthwhile to see Nick Gates back on a football field, 
back contributing to the New York Giants just 14 months after that injury. For me, Gates is, is the comeback giant of the year and the comeback player of the year in the NFL. All right, another uh, award that I would like to hand out, and and I'm kind of making this one up. For me, this is the biggest surprise contributor of the year so far. And for me, that is Darius Slayton, wide receiver who leads the Giants, somewhat anemic wide receiving core in yards receiving so far this year, despite the fact that he was inactive in week one. I don't think he had a catch in week two. He's a guy who was seventh on a seven wide receiver depth chart when the season started, but he has emerged as to this point in time, the wide receiver who's making the most plays in the passing game for Daniel Jones, the guy that, that Jones seems to trust the most Slayton, of course, showed a lot of promise as a rookie fifth-round pick coming out of Auburn. Last two years have not been nearly as good for Slayton, and there were some questions about whether he would make this team or not. I know there was a point in time when I said I didn't think he would make this team. I thought maybe in training camp, maybe in the preseason, the Giants would be looking to trade Slayton or move on from him to save a little bit of cap space. But the Giants held on to Slayton, and Slayton at this point in time is rewarding that faith by making plays on the field and and being a big part of the Giants' success on offense thus far. All right, the uh, the other award I would like to give out is Best In-Season Pickup. I did a post at Big Blue View earlier in the week talking about the fact that while the Giants didn't make a big move at the trade deadline, they have throughout the season made a number of smaller moves that are paying huge dividends for them going forward. And uh, Joe Shane, Giants GM, said this week that he had done a that that he had the analytics department with the Giants do a study of all of the players picked up by teams across the league after September 1st, after rosters were initial 53-man rosters were set. And what he has found, what that study has found is that the Giants are getting more games played, more snaps from players picked up after September 1st than any other team in the league, which is a a testament to the Giants' pro personnel department. It's a testament to the coaching staff, just how much production that they're getting from players who were basically on the street when the NFL season started and for me, the best in-season pickups, there are actually two of them. I think you have to split that award between linebacker Jalen Smith, who has become the Giants' best inside linebacker guy who's playing almost every snap, making a huge difference. Not a perfect player, but making a huge difference athletically. 
in the, in the middle of the Giants defense. Guy that had a little bit of a cup of coffee with the Giants last year. Four games, I think, was impressive. Was not offered a contract in the spring. Didn't have a team yet at the start of the NFL season. Was brought in by the Giants on the practice squad and has quickly emerged as a big part of that defense. Another guy who fits that category is cornerback Fabian Moreau, signed to the practice squad at the beginning of the season, fell into a starting role on the outside when Aaron Robinson was lost to injury, and I don't think Moreau is giving that role back anytime soon. Moreau is playing really, really well, being a real plus for the Giants' defense. Two terrific finds by the Giants' pro personnel department who have really, really helped the Giants' defense so far in the 2022 season. All right, Giants fans, what I want to do right now is get to the interview that I did with Tom Radoski. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Giants fans, I'm joined now by Tom Radowski, former Giants scouting assistant and current staff member for the 33rd team. Terrific football site. Hope you guys have uh, have checked uh, that out. If you haven't, uh, drop over 33rdteam.com and do that. Tom, thanks for uh, hopping on, spending a few minutes with me. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me, Ed. Always, always a pleasure. So, New York Giants, 6-2. and two halfway through the NFL season and by the by the way it's what what's halfway now in a 17 game season is it eight is it nine is it the bye week just because I don't know what's halfway it it is tough to say but I think this year given that the Giants have that week nine bye they've played eight games I think you can pretty much call this the midway point of the season so I don't think anybody saw six and two coming for for the Giants how how do you explain it? Yeah, I think it's just the coaching staff um, having done an absolutely phenomenal job um, from top to bottom. Um, you know, I think you look at this team, I mean, they've overachieved in every sense of the word, just as you mentioned. Um, you know, it sounds cliche and people talk about, you know, people throw around the, the word culture a lot. But I think clearly things have changed, you know, in that building, within that locker room. Uh, I mean, they're a team that they go out there and they expect to win right now, you know. And so I think uh, but also schematically, I mean, I think the coaches have just done a wonderful job of kind of uh, being able to disguise weaknesses that the team has, kind of being able to play around 
around those personnel deficiencies and ultimately set the players that they have up for success. I mean, you know, from a, from a head coach standpoint, I mean, all you can ever do is the best that you can do with the players that you have, you know, that's, that's kind of your job as a coaching staff is take the cards that you're dealt and make the most of them. And I mean, I think this coaching staff offensively, defensively, I mean, they've done as good of a job of that as you could possibly imagine. I think at this point. I did a uh, I did a review of the first eight games that that posted on Tuesday at Big Blue View and going back to week one, I thought that Brian Dable sort of set the foundation. He set the the expectation and the attitude for this team at the end of the Tennessee game. Going for two points, saying, screw it. We're going to try to win the game. I don't care. I'll live with it if we lose, but we're going to be aggressive. I'm going to trust my players. And it worked out. And he said, I would have lived with it if it didn't. He said the reaction on the sideline was, F yeah, let's go try to win this game. And I just I thought that was a turning point for the Giants simply because I thought they just lived through two years where the coach tried to uh, where it was sort of obvious the coach didn't really believe in them. Just your thoughts on what that might have meant to to this whole start. Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned that. I was watching that game and was actually thinking to myself down the stretch, um, kind of before they they led that last drive there to take the lead. Um, if they score, I hope they go for two. And sure enough, that's what that's what Dable decided to do. Absolutely. I think like that's a decision. If if you don't convert, you totally live with that. I think just having the mentality of, hey, we're gonna we're gonna play to win you know, and, and also playing on the road against um, a Titans team. That's obviously had a lot of success. Um, You know, not a lot of people gave the giants a shot in that game, but I think coming out playing to win, I think that was, that was absolutely a great way to start the season. And even, you know, being down 13, nothing at half, like that's a game where, you know, the giants of teams of the last four or five years, I mean, they're probably done at that point, you know, but to, to fight out of that hole, uh, to even give themselves a chance, I thought was excellent. But then, yeah, the decision to go for two was, was just, just terrific. And I think you, you hit on the other thing. And, and I've said this a few times, you know, I have now watched the giants go through, you know, from the Tom Coughlin era, they've gone through Ben McAdoo for two years and they went through Pat Shermer for two years and they went through Joe judge for two years and now they're with Brian Dable. And the and the reality is each and every one of those head coaches stands up in front of the media at the beginning of, of his tenure, and he says roughly the same thing. He says, we're going to be smart, tough, dependable. We're going to play hard. We're going to run to the football. We're going to tackle. It's about the players. It's not about the scheme. It's it's about us figuring out what the players do well and letting them do that. The problem is that I think and, and tell me if tell me if I'm wrong here, but from my experience, to me, that's lip service most of the time, because most of these guys have an idea how they want to play and they're going to play that way and they're going to do the things they want to do. And if they don't have the players to execute it, they just get new players. Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale are embodying that and actually following through and doing 
what these guys do well. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I mean, I think it just comes back to, are you trying to win a press conference or are you trying to win games? You know, and I think obviously, you know, y- you want to hear a coach that is just hired, you know, say all those things. It gets the fans excited in, you know, January, February. But, um, you know, I've always thought once the games start, like you're never going to know how a team can handle adversity, how a team can handle things until you watch them do it. You know, like everything's all fine and dandy when you're O and O, but the second you lose that first game, you know, how do things go internally, you know, and how does the team respond? So um, absolutely. I mean, I think these guys are, this coaching staff, um, they're obviously talking, they're walking the walk to, to obviously follow up, you know, some of the things that they're saying, but um, obviously things have changed in that building and, and they're just, they're about the right things. They seem to have great relationships um, with all the players. Um, Obviously there's a sense of belief and a winning mindset, which I think that's, that's really a key. And I think that's one that's one thing I think you see with with these these giants these giant this giants team this year and in these games is that um, they're winning close games and I think that's the mark of a, of a connected team. I think you know six and two is fantastic. At this point, nine games to go. I don't know. Odds makers say you know, the percentage might be eighty percent or whatever it is that the Giants make the playoffs. I think at this point, the Giants can probably stumble their way to three or four wins over the last nine games and get to 10 wins. And this team should probably make the playoffs where it's, you know, where it's situated right now. But I also think that the Seattle game, you you talked about the Giants winning all of these close games and doing it schematically and, and all of those kinds of things. I also think the Seattle game reminded us, at least for me, that with the talent they have, the path to victory is kind of narrow. There's certain things that that they have to that have to happen. And if those things don't happen, then the Giants have a hard time working around a, a lack of talent in some areas. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, the margin for error is still relatively small. I mean, because let's be honest, the, the roster and the personnel still isn't um, where you need it to be to consistently, you know, contend. Um, you know, definitely the, the coaching staff is getting the most out of what they have. Uh, but yeah, you know, you beat Jacksonville by six, you beat Baltimore by four, beat Creed Bay by five, Carolina by three, you know, again, winning close games. And yeah, the margin for error, it's thin. Um, and they, they just have to continue to execute the little things, execute late in game. So, um, you know, I mean, even like coming out of the bye, you're playing Houston, you know, you got Detroit, um, you know, the, the, the Giants can hypothetically lose to that, those teams uh, because ultimately the talent gap um, isn't as wide as maybe the records would indicate. And so the Giants still have to focus on the little things, playing sound football. And um, I think they've shown that they can beat any team, but I think they still are at the point where they can lose to any team if, if they don't show up. So I think just continuing to do the things well that they've done well um, is going to lead to success. And I know that sounds like an obvious statement, but I mean, I think it really is true. One of the things they have not done well is get the explosive play other than get it from Saquon Barkley. And that, of course, leads us to talking about the the weakness that they have at, at wide receiver. And the trade deadline just passed. There are Giants fans who are disappointed 
that Joe Shane didn't go out and make a trade for a wide receiver. And I want to see if you agree with my take on this. I have said for weeks now, asked about the trade deadline, that if the Giants had done anything, that it had to be a long-term type of move, that it had to be a move that didn't cost them much, that didn't cost them premium draft capital. They couldn't go out and, and make a short-term fix like an older wide receiver like Brandon Cooks. Because for me, it's not about 2022. This is gravy. For me, it's still about building this for the long term and setting this team up for the future. So that's a a long-winded way of asking you if you feel like in the end, you know, Joe Shane did the right thing at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the same type mindset that I think uh, is correct, and I think it it's justified. It makes sense. Like, um, I think from the front office's perspective, um, you know, they probably feel like this roster is is not in a spot to where they can contend for Super Bowls, and I think that's a just feeling. And so, I think continuing to have that future mindset, I think, is the, the good way to approach it. Um, you know, I think Joe Shane, since he's come in, has has clearly um, had his eye towards the future, um, tr- kind of trying to rectify the cap situation and, um, you know, not investing too much or giving away premium, you know, draft capital. Um, so absolutely, I think, and, and I'm sure there were a lot of discussions had. I'm sure they turned over every stone and every rock to, to kind of see what, what the options were. But I think from the front office's standpoint, I think it's absolutely the right play to kind of have an eye towards the future. Um, while it might be disappointing to, to Giants fans, given the state, you know, the team obviously contending for a playoff spot and NFC East title, I think that was the right approach by the front office to, to still keep an eye towards the future, obviously. At his, uh, at his press conference, the, the day after the trade deadline, you know, Joe was asked about Daniel Jones. And at this point, I think that Daniel Jones has pretty much done everything he's been asked to do so far this year. The question becomes, has he done enough are you, to be the guy for the next couple of years? For me, when I look at it, I think well, what's in the draft and where are the Giants going to be drafting and what would they have to give up, you know, to go and get to one or two? And I think you're almost in a in a situation where you've almost got to try to sign the guy to a two-year contract or something like that. What's your take on on Jones at this point? And, and, and if you're wearing the GM hat, you know, how do you look at it over you know, for next year, maybe the year after that? Yeah, I, I think what it always comes down to, and and you know, this is a philosophy that you maybe more so use when you're trying to improve and assess the back end of the roster, but I think it applies to every you know personnel decision. You know, you're you're just looking for upgrades. You know, you're always looking for is player X better than player Y. And so to me, when you have a decision like this, what it's gonna come down to is Daniel Jones or the player pool and free agency and the player pool in the draft. And you're right, given where the Giants are picking, where they're probably going to end up picking in the first round, um, you know, they're probably not going to have a realistic shot at, 
you know, maybe one of those top quarterbacks. Now, certainly trading up is an option. And I mean, we don't need to get into all those hypotheticals, but it's always going to come down to J Daniel Jones versus the players available. And uh, if the Giants front office, if they see an upgrade, a quarterback through any of those various avenues, I think it's fair to explore it. But um, given where they're picking in round one, I, I think, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to sign him for, yeah, another year, two years, three years, kind of kick the can down the roads, uh, so to speak, kind of wait for the right time to maybe pounce on a franchise quarterback via trade or the draft if they see fit. But yeah, it's just always going to come down to is Daniel Jones better than the other options that we can reasonably, you know, acquire. All right. So Tom, last, last thing for you here. One of the things that you do over at 33rd team, you, you do some of the the uh, behind the scenes, you know, gambling, betting kind of work over there. So I've got to ask you, when are the Giants going to get some respect from Vegas? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, they, they've certainly been a, a great underdog uh, to back from a betting standpoint. Um, my thing with the Giants is, and kind of as we talked about, Ed, I, I don't think this is a team that you want to you want to pick to cover big spreads. Like coming out of the bye against Houston, against Detroit. You know, we might see them favored by four or five, six points potentially. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, I mean, they've won by six, by four, by five, by eight against Chicago, three against Carolina, one against Tennessee. So they're winning close games, which is awesome as an underdog. But if they're a favorite, if you're having to, to lay points with them, uh, probably, you know, may not be the best way to take the Giants. So they definitely do deserve a little more respect. Um, I think they're a great underdog to continue backing, but if you're having to, to pick them to cover a bigger spread, um, I think, you know, that might be a little ambitious. I, I've also, I have to do parlays and I have to do some things for, for SB nation each week as, as part of my job. And, and, and one thing that, that I also think I've come to realize when it comes to, to giants games, never take the over. <laughs> yeah yeah now and the way they're playing is definitely they've been an under team again this year just the way that they're playing um now in games that they play in obviously the totals are a little lower so um you know you're not having to see as many points in a game but but yeah their style of play definitely is is um you know you gotta like unders just from a uh just from an inherent standpoint in these giants games all right, Tom. Hey, I appreciate a few minutes as always. Why don't you tell folks uh, where they can uh, where they can find your work or where you are on uh, social media if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, you can follow me um, at trudy831 um, on Twitter. That's kind of um, I guess my main platform at this point, point. Um, and then also on the thirty third team as well. All right, Tom. Thank you very very much for a few minutes, and hopefully we'll do this again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Ed. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to uh, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. 
Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.